was a cold silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a code of silence and it can't go on. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 8th of August 2008. Newcomers look into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com We can find lots of previous talks going over this big matrix in which we live and I try and show you how so many of the big institutions and foundations and even mainstream international corporations all work together to bring about what they call a new world order, a planned society. Society where nothing happens by individual choice. A society where everyone will be born if there's a need for you to serve the world state. And that you won't be able to pick your mate for yourself, for instance. That will be forbidden. And how it's all been discussed a long, long time ago, and we're simply living through one phase of it. Certainly the latter phase. And it'll go on in a new beginning, they hope, in their what they call their golden dawn, their brave new world. And also look into Alan Watt's sentient, sentinel.eu for transcripts which you can download and print up, written in the various languages of Europe. It's very difficult for people, as I say, who've been born into a system and who haven't been warned by their parents that something weird and definitely abnormal is happening. You think everything that surrounds you and all the gadgets and gizmos that's given to you are sort of coming from some great superior Santa Claus to keep you happy. But nothing is further from the truth. Nothing at all is further from the truth. You find that everything, everything to do with culture is in the hands of experts who work for this elite crowd who rule the world and who use all the sciences against the public in a very efficient manner. Very efficient because we've been studied for thousands and thousands of years. And if you study any creature, you know its habits. And you know, like Skinner knew as well, you can give substitutes for things and even substitutes for certain drives. And the, the animal, the creature, will accept them gradually till that's normal, the substitute becomes normal. Remember, to affect behavior modification, as Skinner said, you must alter the environment around the creature. And that's what happens all the time. As soon as you brought a radio in to the home, you'd altered your environment, because now there's a sound coming that will distract you and take up your attention. Something they found out in World War One when the BBC put out its first radio broadcasts. Actually, it's a propaganda instrument. And they found that people would come home or try to be at home at noon when a serial would come on. It was very engrossing, a very engrossing story. And at the end of the hour, they left you with a cliffhanger. You just had to tune in the following day to find out what happened. And so therefore, your behavior had been changed. You no longer did the usual things you would do up until and through 
noon, you would come back to listen. Your behavior was changed. Once television came into play, for most people, that was game over. It literally destroyed communication in societies, whole societies. It gave the same propaganda to millions of homes at the same time. It also had profound effects on destroying the family unit because now everyone's sitting staring at that screen and not talking to each other. Quite astonishing. So change the environments and that's all you have to do. Put something there that did not belong and the people will accept it and never realize its real intent. But they will be affected. Back with more after these messages. Hi folks, this is Alan Watt, and we're cutting through the matrix. Just trying to point out a few of the techniques by used by those who control the lives and the behavior of whole continents of people and to show you that it isn't new we're not living through something that's just happening in our lifetime we're simply living through part of a script and so are your parents as well step by step by step it takes generations to alter behavior it's much quicker today when they get the children at kindergarten and when the guys who experimented was Lord Bertrand Russell he experimented on children given special permission to start up these selective schools where they tried all kinds of scientific techniques, as he called them, on the children, including encouragement of pre-pubertal sex with the intent to see if they could bond later on. And they found out what they pretty well suspected. The more partners they could give them at such a young age, there was a very little chance left they would bond for life because the family unit had to be destroyed. Remember going back long before Russell, he had Malthus and others who were always on the, the cry about too many people, especially the commoners. They saw the industrial era as, as lasting X amount of years and they did not want an excess population in a post-industrial era. They talked about killing them off through wars and various other means and Russell and others in fact later on bemoaned the fact that he said that disease was being brought under control which was contrary, it was counterproductive it would encourage people to breed more easily and in more quantity and they were terrified of being overwhelmed by what they called the common stock so they didn't sit back on their laurels and do nothing, they planned a society, a world society where science would be used and in and including in these techniques, they would have to encourage the victims, the people themselves, to go along with it and want it. And, and it's quite amazing how they can actually encourage us to parrot so many different things and believe in them until we'll seek our own demise. That's the perfect form of slavery when you've got control of the mind. And here's a statement made by Bertrand Russell talking about this scientific society. Now he wasn't just one, the, the Fabian Society, H.G. Wells and all the other characters were involved in setting up some parts of this mind control technique and education. They also worked with Aldo Huxley and Julian Huxley. Uh, Julian Huxley was in charge of UNESCO for the United Nations to create a, a world culture through a specific scientific indoctrination of education. 
So here's what Bertrand Russell said. He said, education in a scientific society may, I think, be best conceived after the analogy of the education provided by the Jesuits. The Jesuits provided one sort of education for the boys who were to become ordinary men of the world and another for those who were to become members of the Society of Jesus. In like manner, the scientific rulers will provide one kind of education for ordinary men and women and another for those who are to become holders of scientific power. Ordinary men and women will be expected to be docile, industrious, punctual, thoughtless, and contented. Of these qualities, probably contentment will be considered the most important. In order to produce it, all the researches of psychoanalysis, behaviorism, and biochemistry will be brought into play. That was in 1931. Biochemistry. They were talking about altering the chemistry of men and women and boys and girls. I've talked about this before because that's also backed up by one of their compatriots who was the grandson of Charles Darwin. That was Galton. Galton Darwin. Charles Galton Darwin. In his book, The Next Million Years, he talked about using techniques to, to alter the chemistry, especially the hormonal chemistry of males and females. And it's been pretty well successful. Pretty well successful until now. We've been under a war. We've been the object of a war. We're the target and the victims of a war our whole lives. And people haven't got a clue that it was even going on. Because as Russell said there, contentment had to be promoted. Contentment. And there's lots of people growing up who really believe that this big Santa Claus at the top that gives them all the toys to play with and games and gadgetry or some sort of altruistic weirdos that just want to keep us happy. That's what they live for. Yet technology is always given to the public for a good possible reason, but never the real reason. I've also talked about the big think tanks that help run the world, who are, and they're all interrelated, by the way. They're not independently uh, or independent from each other. The Club of Rome are the ones who came up with the first global revolution. That's the name of the book that the two founders published, where they admit creating the con, which would become global warming to create a wartime situation where we would all be uh, run with rationing and all the rest of it just in wartime we would all pull together and allow ourselves to be guided by the governments that's what happens in warfare You'd, you will take and take and take so much from your governments because after all they're trying to help you and save you so they thought that global warming would fit the bill that's the words they used and here's what they also said in the same book sacrilegious though this may sound democracy is no longer well suited for the tasks ahead the complexity and the technical nature of many of today's problems do not always allow elected representatives to make competent decisions at the right time they're saying that democracy was just too slow and cumbersome this was also parroted by Margaret Thatcher 
the ex-Prime Minister of Britain, when she said that she now belonged to the parallel government. She meant the Royal Institute of International Affairs, also known as the Council on Foreign Relations, where people who'd been in all different governments in that society across the planet formed a parallel government. And they could plan and get jobs done, and it would not have to go under the scrutiny of the public. They simply, and it's true enough, in their publications in the Council on Foreign Relations and the Royal Institute of International Affairs, they always have on the first page, this is a non-political body. And then you read through their books, there's nothing but the plan and the agenda, the plan and the agenda. They're telling the truth, they don't play politics. They simply plan out an agenda and make it happen. So they're telling the truth. This particular website I'm reading from, and I'll give the name at the end of it, as well worth looking into, about the Green Agenda. It says, the environmental movement has been described as the largest and most influential social phenomenon in modern history. From relative obscurity just a few decades ago, it has spawned thousands of organizations and claims millions of committed activists. Reading the newspaper today, it is hard to imagine a time when global warming, resource depletion, environmental catastrophes and saving the planet were barely mentioned. They now rank among the top priorities on the social, political and economic global agenda. And remember, this all started with the Club of Rome, the premier think tank. Environmental awareness is considered to be the mark of any good, honest and decent citizen. Multinational companies compete fiercely to promote their environmental credentials and out-green each other. The threat of impending ecological disasters is uniting the world through a plethora of international treaties and conventions. But where did this phenomenon come from? How did it rise to such prominence? And more importantly, where is it going? While searching for these articles and during my academic studies, I come across many references to the Club of Rome and reports produced by them. Initially, I assumed that they were just another high-level environmental think tank and dismissed the conspiracy theories found on many websites claiming that the Council, uh, the Club of Rome, is a group of global elitists attempting to impose some kind of world government. As I struggled to entangle the kind of convoluted web that's a global green agenda, I've been amazed that the same names keep appearing as the authors of binding international agreements, as organizers of key summits and conferences, and as the most vocal proponents of new systems of governance. A core group of very influential leaders appear to be working in unison to implement a far-reaching global agenda. And then this, this uh, author goes on to say, founded in, in 1968, the Club of Rome describes itself as a group of world citizens. Now that's the term used by the Rockefeller Foundation and Mr. Rockefeller himself, who gives out awards to global citizens, people who've done some of the great work and have proven their worth. So basically, a lot of the people who came from his organizations started up the Club of Rome, as I'm sure they were ordered to, and their agenda is to deal with a big side of it, which is to get the public of the world to give up all their rights under a wartime scenario under the, the guise of saving the planet. The Club of Rome consists of current and former heads of state, high-level politicians and government officials, diplomats, scientists, economists and business leaders from around the globe. 
the Club of Rome subsequently founded two sibling organizations. This is what they always do. They, they set up a cluster, which seem, after, after a few years, to be independent, but they're not. They're working on specialized aspects of the same thing. The Club of Budapest was one of them, and the Club of Madrid is the other. The farmers focused on social and cultural aspects of their agenda, while the latter concentrates on the political aspects. All three of these clubs share many common members and hold joint meetings and conferences. As explained in other articles on this website, it's abundantly clear that these three heads of the same beast, they are the, the three heads, it's also established a network of 28 national associations. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. Going through this organization called the Club of Rome, one of the many big foundations that run the world. We don't elect these foundations. These are well-backed financially, and they're backed by the big international bankers as well as the, the other foundations. Some of the big foundations fund other ones. I know people at the Rockefeller Center or Foundation, and all they do is sign checks all day long to UFO groups, magazines, to anything to do with channeling for the new age. They run all of these sides of everything that is today's culture, but they also fund other organizations, other foundations, and think tanks. They run the world. None of them are elected by any public. They despise the public, in fact, because their job, after all, is to manipulate and guide the public, as you would guide animals along a certain path. Some current members of the Club of Rome Al Gore, former VP of the USA, leading climate change campaigner, Nobel Peace Prize winner, Academy Award winner, Emmy winner, led the US delegations to the Rio Earth Summit and Kyoto Climate Change Conference, and is the largest shareholder in the Chicago Climate Exchange. They're allowed to line their pockets pretty well. Xavier Solana, Secretary General of the Council of the European Union, High representative for the EU foreign policy. Notice too that the terms of the appointees for the European Union Parliament are the same as the United Nations, because this man is the Secretary General of the Council of the European Union. Think about that. We'll have the same thing in the, in the, in the Council of the Americas shortly. Maurice Strong, former head of the UN Environment Programme. Chief Policy Advisor to Kofi Annan, Secretary General of the Rio Earth Summit, co-author with Gorbachev of the Earth Charter, co-author of the Kyoto Protocol, founder of the Earth Council, and a devout Baha'i. He's pronounced with Baha'i faith. Michael Gorbachev, Club of Rome, executive member, former president of the Soviet Union, founder of Green Cross International and the Gorbachev Foundation, Nobel Peace Prize winner, co-founder with Hidalgo of the Club of Madrid, co-author with Strong of the Earth Charter. Diego Hidalgo, Club of Rome executive member, co-founder with Gorbachev of the Club of Madrid, founder and president of the European Council on Foreign Relations. Ervin Laszlo, founding member of the Club of Rome, founder and president of the Club of Budapest, founder and chairman of the World Wisdom Council. Look into that one, it's interesting. 
Hassan bin Talal, president of the Club of Rome, president of the Arab Thought Forum, founder of the World Future Council, very important one, recently named as United Nations Champion of the Earth. And years ago I told you about the, this Earth Charter and even at NATO and, and also at NASA they were talking about creating an Earth Army, the first Earth Army. Well, these are all parts of what they call the first Earth Army to change the world. Sir Crispin Tickle, former British permanent representative to the United Nations and permanent representative on the Security Council, chairman of the GIA Society, that's the Mother Earth part, chairman of the board of the Climate Institute, leading British climate change campaigner. Kofi Annan, former Secretary General of the United Nations, Nobel, Nobel Peace Prize laureate. Xavi Perez de Suela, former Secretary General of the United Nations. Robert Mueller, former Assistant Secretary General of the United Nations, founder and Chancellor of the UN University of Peace. David Rockefeller, Club of Rome Executive Member, former Chairman of Chase Manhattan Bank, founder of the Trilateral Commission, Executive Member of the World Economic Forum, donated land on which the United Nations stands. It used to be a kosher slaughterhouse. Stephen Schneider, Stanford Professor of Biology and Global Change. Professor Schneider was among the earliest and most vocal proponents of man-made global warming and a lead authority of many IPCC reports. Bill Clinton, <laughs> former President of the United States, founder of the Clinton Global Initiative. Jimmy Carter, former President of the United States, Nobel, Nobel Peace Prize laureate. Bill Gates, founder of Microsoft, philanthropist, ha ha ha. Other current influential members, Ted Turner, American media mogul, philanthropist, founder of CNN, that's where you're getting all your propaganda. Everybody who's anybody belongs to this club, you see. George Soros, multi-billionaire, major donor to the United Nations. Tony Blair, former Prime Minister of the United Kingdom. Deepak Chopra, New Age guru. He's good for mind control, tells you how to do it. They help to lead to New Age because they must all be green and, and they'll actually lead the charge into the new sheep pen. Desmond Tutu, South African Bishop and Activist, Nobel Peace Prize Laureate. Timothy Wirth, President of the United Nations Foundation. Henry Kissinger, former U.S. Secretary of State. Barbara Marks Hubbard, President of the Foundation for Conscious Evolution. Betty Williams, Nobel Peace Prize laureate. Marianne Williamson, New Age spiritual activists. See, they're all, all the ones who are leading the culture and everything that people go, wow, and ooh, about are part of this. Robert Thurman, assistant to the Dalai Lama. Jane Goodall, primatologist and evolutionary biologist. Juan Carlos, the first king of Spain. Prince Philip of Belgium, Queen Beatrix of the Netherlands. Donna Sofia, Queen of Spain. Karan Singh, Chairman of the Temple of Understanding. And we're back with more of these characters that give you your thoughts and shape your culture after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. 
Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix and I've been going through some of the members of the Club of Rome, this big think tank that helps direct the whole greening project which is going to take us into a completely new different world a world with no rights whatsoever we must allow ourselves to be guided from birth to death told what to do, what we can and can't do by our betters and I remember that these names I'm going through, many of whom are within the United Nations and ex-prime ministers and presidents and so on remember that first part I read, these people do not believe that democracy is any use, has outlived its usefulness remember that as I'm giving you all these names of these people Dezeku Aikida, founder of the Soka Gaki Kilt, Edward Shevardnadze, former Soviet foreign minister and the president of Georgia, Richard von Weissacker, former president of Germany, Martin Lees, Club of Rome secretary general rector of the UN University of Peace, Ernesto Zadillo, director of the Yale Center for the Study of Globalization, Fritzroff Finkbeiner, coordinator of the Global Marshall Plan. Did you hear about the Global Marshall Plan? The links are all on the site, you can check them all up. Vaclav Havel, former president of the Czech Republic. Hans Kong, founder of the Global Ethic Foundation. Ruth Lubbers, United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees. Mary Robinson, United Nations High Commissioner for Human Rights. Jerome Bindi, Director of Foresight UNESCO Federico Meyer Director General of UNESCO Tapio Kaninen, Director of Policy and Planning United Nations Conrad Osterwalder Under Secretary General of the United Nations Peter Johnson Director General of European Commission Thomas Homer Dixon Director of Peace and Conflict Studies University of Toronto Emika Anyeko, former Commonwealth Secretary General, current President of the WWF. Wangari Mathe, Nobel Peace Prize Laureate, founder of the Green Belt Movement, and many, many more. And just to cap it off, as I say, I'm going to finish this part with the statement in their own book, written by the founders of the Club of Rome, all you people who go out and vote and think you're free. Sacrilegious though this may sound, democracy is no longer well suited for the tasks ahead. The complexity and the technical nature of many of today's problems do not always allow elected representatives to make competent decisions at the right time. In the same book, the founders will tell you they looked at all the different systems in the world and they preferred that of collectivism, meaning communism. It was easier to rule the masses. Remember that when you go through and read all these names of these prime ministers, presidents, and members of parliament, and so on. Remember that there's big games going on, and you have all been fooled all of your life. Now we'll go to the phone calls now, and we've got Carl from Montreal. Are you there, Carl? How you doing? Not so bad. Yeah, I'm just listening in up here. You know, you guys are talking. You know, you're talking about. You know, it seems like everybody. You know, 
all these prominent people are all part of it, you know, have been infiltrated all over the place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a long time ago. And people have been lied to for so long, you know, just, you know, I don't know. It's like... Well, they, they couldn't have done it without the media. The media is an essential arm of government, yeah. Yeah, I know. And, you know, with the Internet, you know, I guess that's how the truth get out, you know, because all this media, just people have been brainwashed with all this propaganda. It seems like, you know, we're at this point now, you know, what the future, you know, doesn't look good, though. So. No, it doesn't look good because, you see, the, the, the future is already planned and the public have had no say in it whatsoever. In fact, they don't even know where it's supposed to go. They think we're just stumbling down through time making our own decisions, not realizing that all the decisions are, are already made for them. Yeah, but I believe there is some light at the end of the tunnel. I believe that they're going to have to answer to the Creator, you know, and He's going to bring justice and put hold these people accountable for what they've done. I believe that all ties into this. Uh, I, think, I think really we've got to stop as well looking for help because I think a Creator would put us here to do our own jobs ourselves. And, and see, most people, most people are looking for champions, and here's the problem. Uh, the elite have always given us the champions that lead us up the garden path. And until people start taking responsibility themselves for their own lives, it's game over, literally, you know. I know, but we, I know we have to take responsibility, and we have to stand up and speak out. Even the prophets did, and if we read, the, you know, in the Bible, and uh, people of old spoke out against corruption and injustice. But I do believe there is a, a plan, you know, not just the evil forces. I believe the forces of good also have a plan. I always believe that good will triumph over evil, you know. It, it seems to, you know, but it might take a long time. Well, that's just it. You see, we don't have such a long time because these guys are on, on a roll now and they have a timetable to fulfill. They're, remember too, they're top business people as well and strategists and they go by these big business for, uh, formats. So they have a time limit and they're, they're ready to kick into the next stage. So we're going to Mark from Wisconsin now. Are you there, Mark? Yes, it is. Go ahead, yeah. Hi, I, I heard you on Alex Ansari. Uh Good show. He didn't want to talk about his universal awakening much on his show, but it was pretty enlightening. Um, I looked up the word government, and yes. uh, apparently in Latin, govern means to uh, control or supervise, and the last part of it, ment, is from the word mente, mind. Mm -hmm. So it actually means mind control. Uh, yes, it is. Uh, even parliaments from a French word that actually means sort of arguing. So it's. Does that not say everything, Alan? Oh, I know. I know. And now they're calling it, they're calling it now governance. <laughs> oh my gosh, I can't believe this. It's just incredible. Uh, I want, I, I heard some uh, old audio from Jordan Maxwell with uh, William Cooper. And he was, he was talking about how bad secret societies are, this and that. And then I hear some more audio of his. And here he is, uh, the year 2000, uh, proclaiming how great masonry is. Uh, well, are you surprised? I'm not. Well, not after I looked up his name. Apparently his name Jordan River. Yeah. Maxwell means reversing the current. Uh, well, Maxwell used to be the third, the third uh, initiation of the Templars. They, they had to get initiated, but baptized in the three rivers up to the Holy Land. The last one was the Jordan. It was called the Maxwell. Oh my gosh! When are you going to self-implode, Alan? On me. I've had all the bribes from all the big boys, but I, I haven't taken the bait. I must admit. 
Yes, and I've, I've, I've also, uh, apparently Jordan Maxwell is doing everything he can to uh, uh, tear down everything that, that he's built up because he does bring some truth to the table. But I've actually heard him on, on rants talking about seeing dinosaurs and pterodactyls in real life. Mm. Well, I, I met people back in the 60s and 70s that saw all kinds of weird stuff. <laughs> i got to tell you, some of them walked out of windows too, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay, that's all I had for you. Thanks, Alan. Bye-bye. Thanks for calling. Now we've got uh, Tom in Massachusetts. Are you there, Tom? Alan? Yes. Yeah, I had a question for you relative to the uh, Masonic influence over the presidencies of the United States. Uh, in particular, I noticed that um, at times there's an emphasis on the fact that, uh, like, Washington and Jackson and Harry Truman were Masons, confirmed Masons, and yet then there are others, uh, John Adams, Thomas Jefferson, uh, Abraham Lincoln, where their status as a Mason or Rosicrucian or Illuminati is, is unknown. Um, do you know of any reason why they would be excluded from uh, mention as a uh, Mason or an Illuminatus? If anything, it would be to fool the people or, who later read the history books. Uh, we know that Jefferson was um, considered to be a member of the Grand Orient Lodge, as, of course, uh, other ones were before him. Um, he was a member of what was at that time was the, the Illuminati, they called it, quite plain and openly. And you'll find that uh, Benjamin Franklin was the Grand Master of that lodge, the Nine Sisters Lodge in France. He was uh, the Grand Master for the whole of France when he was uh, the ambassador to France. And then it was Jefferson took over from him. So they were members of that particular lodge. Yeah. So then the agenda continues, and I guess probably the William Morgan affair was uh, possibly an aberration or a smokescreen. William, well, William Morgan definitely they killed the guy, there's no doubt, and he was dumped in the Ontario. But um, uh, some of the later writers um, just said it was the best thing that ever happened uh, because of the infamy it created about masonry. A lot of young guys wanted to join it, thought it would be exciting. So it, it worked both ways. They had the, the Know Nothing Party and the Anti-Masonic Party afterwards that did sort of try and check out their members. They were running for Congress for a while, but it didn't last too long. So actually then the, the real reason for the establishing of the United States just uh, it continued on. Uh, there was really no uh, uh, problem with the uh, agenda being stymied or that. It just, uh, just continued to march ahead in the forms of various personages and, until we have what we have now, exactly, right? Yeah, right. yeah that's, that's right. And every president in the United States is given an honorary 33rd degree um, certificate by the Scottish Rite of Freemasonry, and that's in their own journals. Now, some of the information I guess you've mentioned in past broadcasts that you've spoken with some high-level Masons, um, um, are they giving you information that uh, basically they're not worrying about their brothers finding out about, or is it stuff that basically then they should be knocking over? Uh, some of them have, have had twinges of conscience. Other ones um, realize that Masonry has so shaped their value system that they have a, uh, almost an identity collapse. Um, they, they realize that, that there's something vastly wrong with them. They have tunnel vision, and their conscience starts to kick in at all the things they've allowed to happen uh, knowingly. 
uh, and said nothing. So it's, it's a conscious, it's a, it's a breakdown with conscience versus their indoctrination. And masonry from its beginning, when you first go in, is giving you an incredible, very old, well-tested indoctrination. You will view things vastly different once you're inside that lodge. Inside the lodge so far as uh, progressing through the degrees or right at the point where you probably make Master Mason? It's up to that too. Even Pike said that it's not necessary they understand the symbols all around them. It's only necessary they think they understand. Now remember symbology too is a language in itself which can program you. You can program people through symbols. And especially when you're doing it through ritualistic acts, which heightens uh, this, this particular mind state of hypnosis almost. And uh, so, so they're, they're fooled even at that level up to the, into the third degree. And they don't get the real secrets till you're way above that. Now up to the 32nd or 33rd degree, you'll certainly get your payoffs. You'll know the cons that run in your town. You know who you pay, who to shake hands with silver with to get what you want. You'll get your... your your uh, bank loans the same day that you apply. Um, you get all these sort of uh, little things. They, they tell their members you can bypass petty bureaucracy and get things done quickly, and that is true, very true. But they don't get into the higher secrets. That comes at the 40th degree if you have the right stuff to get pulled up to the side lodge or you're pulled through the black lodge, which, which comes out of the blue. So the eventuality is probably, it, by, it goes way past, uh, I, I was reading one of your publications, one of your books that mentioned the orders of the, the troglodytes, so I guess it goes past that then, right? And that's right. Uh, again, troglodytes, cave dwellers, the Hurrians of the Bible, um, the Horites, they also called them, those who lived in, in the caves. That's why uh, in some of those movies they showed you... Um, the places in Petra, for instance, where you have a city carved out of rock, that's, that's, a, that's a reference to the troglodytes. You had the same thing in Ethiopia, where they literally created uh, all their dwellings inside mountains, including whole churches inside, carved out of the inside of the mountain. So uh, you're talking about the ancient builders that also had the secrets of watching and studying society. Well, Alan, I appreciate your uh, your insight on that. It helps me out a little bit more with my research. And uh, hey, keep up the good work. And thanks for calling. All right, we'll see you. And we'll go on to we'll go to Tim in California. Are you there, Tim? Hello. Yes. Hi. Um, I had a question. Um, well, you know, I've, I've been uh, researching this uh, for a long time, and you know, trying to infowar, as they say, or try to pass it on, and it just seems like, uh, you know, it doesn't really take, you, know, you try to speak to smart people, and they just don't get it willingly, mm-hmm. and it's almost like um, it, it's a lack of intellectual honesty, because I, I don't think it's very hard to understand all of this, mm-hmm. only get to be too bright, you know, um, yeah. <clears throat> so my question is, what, what we're really fighting, it seems like we're just, it's these people, if they want to wake up to it, it's very easy to. Yeah. There's examples all over the place, <clears throat> 11 or before that, um, even just in taxes. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like uh, I had this thought. I feel almost guilty for having it, but I keep thinking it lately. And it's, um, it's almost like I'm falling in line to think that this whole alchemy thing that they're doing on all of humanity is justified. Mm-hmm. As the people who do wake up, they, yeah. you know. I know, yeah. The, the I mean, how do you how do you escape that? I feel like I, I feel guilty about that. I feel like that's not right, but my intellect tells me that it's inescapable because 
it almost feels like these people who are thinking, I mean, it's all drama. So it just feels like they're just, it's like an exorcism of our demonic nature, of our own demonic nature. And they're having this big play for us, just like plays, like exercise people's, uh, psyches. It's like a grand play to exercise our great, our huge collective psyche, whatever it is. Uh, yeah. You're, you're probably closer to a truth than you realize. You're probably closer to a truth than you realize, in fact. And the hardest thing, uh, when you've been beating your head against a brick wall and trying to get people to wake up, the hardest thing is, is not to despise those people. Because once you start despising them for not waking up or not wanting to know, uh, then, then you, you start to think in the way that the elite will view them as well. And we can't do that. What you're looking at is the end result of damage, massive damage, intentional damage, and you're seeing the casualties there. They're unable to comprehend it. However, they're just as dangerous as the elite, I agree. There's a symbiotic relationship between those who rule and the masses who follow and grovel regardless of what's done to them. Uh, there's a definite symbiotic relationship. They almost need each other to an extent. So the war really is not to save either side. Uh, the war really is for the few individuals who can go on to much higher things, and, and that's a journey in itself. Yeah. Okay, and then I have a, a quick question. I don't, I don't know if you want to address this or not. Um, I figure, you know, you say you've been in the, uh, the music industry, so you worked in the culture industry for a bit. And... Uh, of course, these grand overviews of how their agenda goes, and the green agenda is still relatively new. Yeah, hold on, and, and we'll get this after this break. Hi, folks. I'm Alan Watts, and we're cutting through the Matrix, just finishing up with Tim from California. What were you saying there, Tim, about culture industry there? Oh, yeah, I just had a just, I just wanted your opinion on, um, yeah, I, I was just thinking of the green movement as it is right now, and it's, uh, we all know it's, it's in plan for however long, centuries maybe, who knows. But um, it seems like as they segment introduce this little part, they're still open to absorbing whatever, uh, whatever experiments are working right now for them. So they have you know, people who, are, who don't know what's going on, and they're just following, following the, uh, without knowing. And they just pick and choose these different modes of, um, of propagating their, their uh, memes or whatever it is. But, you know, there's lots of expressions that are genuine, that they're co-opted. So I was wondering if you had a method or something like that, an idea of how to, I guess the term is called color jam, to, to go along with it, to compromise with their agenda, to give them what they're looking for. But then how to, how to throw something in there. You know, that will affect the mind in some other way. The best way really is the evidence of the, the whole con of global warming. Uh, that's the, the best that you have. Uh, also, if people can't look up and watch them sowing the skies and creating storms, it's game over for them anyway. See, they're creating, they're creating uh, the storms and the climate change and then blaming the public and the public see the effects of the, the rain, the storms and all that, but they, they don't bother to wonder why these jets are going back and forth all the time. Well, it's game over for those people. They don't have a chance. Perhaps, I, I'm sorry, I don't think I explained myself very well. I meant, like, you know, we have to give them, if they're going to, they have an agenda. 
So if they're going to co-opt expressions, our expressions have to be in line with their agenda. But I'm thinking of a way, is there a way to sneak in something, you give them what they want, mm-hmm. uh, the, the message makers, you give them what they want, you give them your expression. What is a way to like sneak in a subversive message within the, the orthodox one? You know, do you know what I mean? You need a lot of work and a lot of time to sit and think that one through. Uh, because again you're, deal- you're not dealing with dummies at the top they have their own form of, of um, agencies that investigate everybody with an idea or a thought and so on yeah that's it <laughs> <laughs> All right. but, but yeah but uh, thanks for calling okay, thanks now I think we just get Heather from Montreal and are you there Heather How are you? not so bad um, just wanted to make a, a comment again about the list of the Club of Rome, which is very interesting. I, um, I was listening to the list of names, and I've done TM, and uh, Deepak Chopra was involved with that, and then I heard about the Daisaku Ukeda, and I was, <laughs> mm-hmm. I was in SGI for a while, and I was just so angry with myself when I heard this, and Marianne Williamson, uh, The Course in Miracles, and yes, all of this. That's all those, bunch all of those new ages, yeah. <laughs> It's such a bunch of baloney, and we all fall for it, you know? It just... Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I just found that fascinating, and again, I, it's like, uh-huh. I feel so helpless, but at least I'm not doing it anymore. We've got to stop following people, you know? Got to yes. start being individuals again. Yeah. Yes. Thanks Thanks so much, Alan, for everything. Thanks for calling. Thank you. Yeah, that, that site that I read off of, I think, is... You can get them at Green Agenda at gmail.com and it's very very interesting they have a lot more on, on this particular topic all the characters involved that do not believe in democracy all these ex-prime ministers and presidents and so on very very interesting well from a very again stormy rainy thundery looking Ontario Canada where they've been stitching the sky daily for two months now with their aircraft that no one will take uh, credence for owning. From Hamish myself, it's good night to me. Your God or your gods go with you.